The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. The first stop here. The first stop is the president's death when he's president of the United States. I have today issued an executive order directing the use of troops under federal authority to aid in the execution of federal law at Little Rock, Arkansas. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek. And I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. And by these presents do grant a full, free, and absolute pardon unto Richard Nixon. It is a crisis of confidence. It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national will. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Read my lips. No new taxes. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Ms. Lewinsky. This promise to the American people. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Period. Let's say China. 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 This is your United States of America. Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020, and you know what that means. No, damn it, we did the special intro for that. Christ, man, we just get a new producer and you're already fired. Get the fuck out of here. You ready to eat some fucking tacos, bro? You ready to eat some fucking tacos, bro? Oh yeah, happy Taco Tuesday, everybody. You're listening to the Hitting the Marks podcast, powered by the HCM Podcast Network online at hittingthemarks.com. Of course, as always, presented by Hameen Media. On 
on this week's return show. We're talking about everything we haven't talked about for like eight months. Life in the pandemic, an RBV fitness update, Jargo's top 10. Oh yeah, and there's something about an election. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you, this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news. It is news from across the world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hitting the marks.com across all social media at HTMPWPod, even though we're terrible about using it. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. Oh, see, it's been a little bit since since I've done this here. I got I got to I got to warm up the vocals here. <sighs> Let me see here. Uh, me 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 me. It's me! It's me! It's that art of the beat of the V. Richard Bronson Vickery. And yes, it has been so long, but finally back again. Hashtag them HTM boys ready to ride again. Michael Jargo. Wait, we're gonna see if we still got that groove. See if we can still move. But this here, this is this isn't the your same old song and dance with what you and I've been bringing to the table. This isn't the hitting the marks pro wrestling podcast. This is the evolution, the two O, the grander picture, if you will. This is simply the hitting the marks podcast. Yeah, it, I mean, th- there's no shortage of things to talk about, man. I mean, it, it's been our our last hitting the marks episode was back in March, I believe. So you know, there there's kind of been a, a whole like you know global pandemic that's went down since then. There's this whole election season to talk about and all the chaos that's been going on in Washington. And there's all kinds of pop culture stuff to talk about because, you know, the the music industry is having to adapt to life in the pandemic. Hollywood's having to adapt to life in the pandemic. Hell, the entire world is adapting to life in the pandemic. Um, So we kind of wanted to come on and and do basically a new show that's more current events based. It's more actual, like, you know, important information based as opposed to just the pro wrestling stuff all the time, because I think you kind of got to the same point that I was where it was just like, I'm just not enjoying doing this anymore. I want to do something different. I love doing Destino, but God, I got my, my mouth is so big. I want to run it about other things other than just Japanese pro wrestling. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the beautiful part is, you know, so many years ago when we got into this, this podcasting game, is it, yeah it, it started with that seed of professional wrestling and, and we watched that beautiful tree grow into what it was and and how those limbs spread and where they reached and the other individuals that that connected us with and you, it, you know fortunately for us you had people coming to us wanting to know our takes on things outside of the world of professional wrestling and even in our professional lives and you know as we kind of grow in media and, and what we're involved with, people want to know our takes there or if it's inside the world of hospitality and marketing and all that. So we kind of came together. We've been talking for quite a bit about this, you know, that how, where do we evolve to? What does the show grow to? And eventually it is what we're hoping to provide here. You know, we're going to we're going to be gearing towards aiming at that Taco Tuesday launch each and every week to kind of give you that, you know, that, that, that talk show midweek 
you know, drive home vibe sort of feel. Yeah. So, I mean, the show will kind of evolve as as to what it is and how it's being presented. We don't really know. We're just kind of making this up as we go along. Uh, so if you do have any topics, suggestions for the show, go ahead, hit us on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find us on Facebook. Just search Hitting the Marks or the HTM Podcast Network. We'll go ahead and we'll get the message and we'll start using some uh, listener topics as well. I mean, if you, if you want to hear us talk about anything Chances are Rick and I can find our way to BS through it. So I guess I, I, I kind of wanted to start, man, just with an eight-month update because basically since we stopped doing Hitting the Marks, we've been in lockdown, quarantine. The, the entire damn world has completely lost their minds. Um, I, I did a show with 8-Track Brown the other day that was uh, rather entertaining of uh, us talking political BS back and forth and things with the election, but just how's life been in the last eight months, man? Because, you know, we used to talk like all day, every day, and then we stopped doing the show, and it's not that we we just stopped talking, but we haven't been talking nearly as regularly because really there hasn't been anything to talk about, man. My life is so damn boring. I'm just like stuck in this apartment all the time. Well, you know, as, as I've been able to share across the other, the other shows and platforms through the Hameen media group, you know, really no secret that, that I took the time while we were on the lockdown to kind of just reinvest a little bit in RBV, uh, back to school to kind of wrap up that degree in broadcasting at Ohio media. Uh, so, you know, that's been going tremendous, uh, really couldn't be more happy for my own efforts, you know, because there's a lot of times I wasn't always the best student. Uh, but when you find that drive and, it, you know, there's so, it's so many individuals that are inspiring you yourself, MSG, what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, and, then, you know, and then just, you know, the leadership of a Ben Hami or the, the, the motivational tactics of a Stevie Richards, everybody on our platform comes together, you know, working together as a cohesive unit family. And that's maybe not even those that are involved you know, as personalities, uh, but those that are helping drive the platform forward. So many tremendous individuals that have been, you know, so supportive for me in those efforts. Uh, but you're right, you know, but inside of the lockdown, you know, it's it, it's been it's staying on the edge, being able to, you know, we're talking about the show evolving, being able to evolve as a business out there as I work hand in hand with so many places that are involved in hospitality have been affected by this shutdown. Those have been some of the struggles that we've been coming over. So, it's you got to plan just not to survive, but to thrive. And that's kind of the motto that you know, I've been kind of pushing and sharing along, you know, if it's personally or professionally. So how is this working for you? Are you are you basically just taking classes online at this point? Because like are, are any classes actually meeting in person in Ohio? It, it's been a little bit. It's It's been up and down. Uh, the rules have changed here or there. And when we began the classes, yeah, it was all. It was all through the, and there was already two sets. I mean, we have the the virtual classroom that has always been there. It's where you know you log on to the beyond beyond air classroom, whatever the heck that is there, and you go through weeks and weeks of programming. But due to everything here, I thought that they had there was uh, four modules, and they each covered like different. Like one might have been six weeks, one was like eighteen weeks. All I thought we were going to get different blocks of those until the program was finished. I ended up knocking all of mine out in two weeks. So oh, wow. I have all that entire part of, of my curriculum is complete. Uh, and then throughout the week, we have a couple hours each day where you have to meet on. Uh, it's like a Zoom platform uh, where they have a, you know, the, the streaming classroom, right. if you will. 
Then we got to a point where they could block us up, where certain individuals could go in. My day was a Thursday. That has shifted where we've been in a back to a shutdown mode. They've moved us different days. There's different hours. So it's really, it's it's been a juggling game. What was it like making that decision to go back to school at this point in your life? Because like we're, we're literally a day apart when it comes to our age. And at this point, like, I've thought about going back to school for something, but just the the entire thought of it is just intimidating. Like I don't, I have no desire to go back to that. You know what I mean? I think it it really comes down to the the style of school or what program that you're looking to pursue. That was one of the worries that I had. You know, I'm signing up for this thing at the time. I'm I'm 40 years old, looking at 41 as I sign right. up for this thing, and I'm worried about going back and like this huge age difference. You know. And then the and pandemic hits, so it's just irrelevant, right? Well, and at that still, when you get in, you know, when you log onto that classroom and you see everyone else in there, and you can kind of see their stats and all that, I think in my, in my situation here, there's been there's a wide range. I mean, you do have those that are have just you know that are young, fresh out of high school, maybe have tried something else in college that just wasn't quite for them, all the way up to individuals like myself that you know are looking for whatever reason. Maybe it is a, a career move, or you're just looking to bolster your resume, you know, add to those credentials that you had. That was really what drove me there. And as I said, you know, being inspired with, you know, so much that what you do, uh, especially what MSG's been able to do and recreating himself and how close that we all are, you know, that, that really was truly inspiring for me. Okay, now I can take what I am going to learn here. Things that obviously as you, I mean, you're self-taught in the profession. Right. You, you've got to that point. But what I can go there and it's more my learning style to actually be in that sort of environment instead of that self-teaching. So I can take those and help me grow where I'm already at professionally. That was my driving point behind it. I, the thing for me and I, that just frustrates the ever loving hell out of me is I feel like I am peaked out at where I can go inside of the industry without a degree. It's like, it doesn't matter that I've been doing it for 10 years. <clears throat> I could go in and, you know, take your final tomorrow and, and pass it because I have the experience and I know what I'm doing, but you know, corporate needs that piece of paper that's, and it's just like, well, for what, why, why go spend a whole bunch of money that I don't have to spend just so I can get a piece of paper to get a better job that I'm already more qualified for. Like it just, it seems so damn asinine to me. And I know we've got it here on the topic list a little bit here to show as we get into kind of the, the political spectrum that the world is looking at right now. But I think you look at a bigger picture here, Jarko, is this is the society that we have been conditioned under. That you have to go get that that piece of paper, that, what are those, sheepskin, whatever the hell they are. And put yourself, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Absolutely. And, and that's... they. It, that's the at the root of why they're why they are pushing that, but they use this facade that you can't go any higher. You can you cannot grow professionally or even personally now without that higher education knowledge, which is absolute bullshit. And now you're starting to see where people are, you know, becoming awoken to the kind of this lie that they've been passed on, where you are seeing a boom again in the trades. You know, where you do get that uh, that real life experience on the job training. I, I'll tell you this, in my background in, in business, I've learned more out in the field than I ever have from a classroom. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And 
that kind of brings us to the situation that Carly and I find ourselves in. Um, we obviously we have a first grader who is doing at home virtual learning. I, I would say for uh, hopefully some first time listeners that haven't been on with us on this journey, you know, as we come back here, Carly, your your beautiful wife, uh, you guys have three lovely girls there, and, and you guys have been experienced. A, a pandemic within a pandemic there. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and there's actually kind of two different pandemics going on um, because we, we have a first grader who is adapting to the whole, I can't see any of my friends that I made my first year in school. And that really sucks. We have a girl who is a eighth grader and finishing up middle school this year. And she absolutely loves being at home because she's gotten to the point that she hates people. And we also have a senior in high school. And I, regardless of any of the problems that we have had with the online school thing with Quinn or any of the issues that we have had with the online school thing with Justice, it has been very, very difficult with Sydney. Um, because number one, she's been in school for 12 years and this is how we have done things. And now you're throwing a wrench into the routine. I could not imagine this being my senior year. Like this is such a real drag, but the other problem has become SATs scheduling college visits when campuses are shut down. Uh, the last thing any of the high school or the college admissions people are concerned with is potential incoming freshmen when they have absolutely no idea what in the fuck to do with the current freshmen or sophomores or juniors or seniors. Um, it, it's just, it's a complete clusterfuck, man. Like, and I can't imagine, cause like, not only is she doing the online school thing, she's also, of course, you know, trying to work as much as she can to save up as much money as she can. And, you know, she wants to go spend time with her boyfriend and she's she's got a little brother with special needs. And, you know, so it's like I couldn't imagine this being my senior year. That's almost like a pandemic inside of the pandemic. Absolutely. I have a, a younger cousin who was on the back end of this last year in his senior year. You know, lost his senior year of wrestling. Lost, you know, and it's something, even the simplest things. I know you, and these are kind of petty to some of the things you're laying out there that just, or that, that Sid's going through and all that, or Sid or Justice, that Justice is going through. Well, Sid's but, the biggest one. I mean, dealing uh, with okay. all the college crap, too. Uh, that's okay. That's where I'm going there with Sid then. Excuse me on that. But yeah, because Logan, I mean, he lost his senior year of wrestling. Yeah, and something as simple as they lost their prom, they lost their graduation. I mean, they had a ceremony, but it was a drive through. Right. You got these people out in a parking lot tuned into a radio station. It's those little things that you take for granted, those milestones in your life where you're supposed to be creating these grand memories. And you said this transition into college. Uh, now, Logan, he's at he's at UC and they are also on. And it's I don't know how it is in your state here. And believe, I, I hope that every state is different because there is no blanket answer that's going to work across the board here. Uh, and not, you know, just not in the United States, but globally. But, yeah, as I mentioned, like I can barely get on campus where I'm at in a college atmosphere. Logan's also that same way. He has like one, two days, half days where he can go on campus. The rest is virtual learning. Right. On the other hand, my nephew, Levi, who's in kindergarten, is five days a week, all day, nine until four. Crazy. It, it, it's well, and they are doing a tremendous job inside of his district where their numbers are low. They are keeping it under control. 
They're able to monitor everything. They have a great control system. They're doing a great job. It's working for them. Now, that's not necessarily going to work for Cincinnati Public Schools. Right. You know, he's, he's out in the suburbs. You know, he's, he's out where there isn't as many people. They're not on top of one another. They don't require the bus service. That's not necessarily going to work for somewhere else. And, and each, you know, they're all going to have to look at those situations and and make the right adjustments in those cases. You know, it's it's been crazy, man, because this, this whole pandemic thing, it, it's been a real pain in the ass for everybody unquestionably but like for me we're trying to keep everything up and running at work i mean because i i I work for local media obviously we need to be on the air but there has been more than one coronavirus outbreak at the station and it for me it's like i'm trying to avoid getting corona not because i'm necessarily scared of dying of corona I'm scared of getting Corona because that means I can't go to work for two freaking weeks. Like to me, that's the much. And I worry about these people that are furloughed, the people that got laid off during the pandemic. Like, yeah, we're clearly seeing the unemployment numbers rebound a bit, but just the amount of stress that the American people are under on a daily basis and the freaking elections tomorrow to add on to it. You know what I mean? It's just 2020 has just been absolutely insane. Well, you, you talk about those individuals that are out of work there, Jargo. I mean, I, you know, I've seen it firsthand. I've been on that front line. Uh, I would going in, but prior to this thing, at you know, respectable fourteen clients. Uh, out of those, I've had four that have survived. Ouch. Yeah, and, and not to the point where it's six that have survived, four that can still continue to pay for my services. As they have to continue to make these cuts across the board. Of course. They're not completely familiar with what I do. I'm owner operator of Herd Herd Media, uh, which we kind of focus in on hospitality, entertainment, retail, recreation, if you will, and then dining and drink. So those are, you know, th- those are the individuals that that I'm there to aid. So they've been the ones that have maybe been most impacted by these business shutdowns and these regulations. No, during this entire thing. Yeah, the the effects on the hospitality industry and the tourism industry overall have just been absolutely freaking catastrophic. Um, You're based in Cincinnati, for for those who may not know. Well, let's say, you know, the the great state, the greatest state, the OHIO Ohio, is is I make my my rounds from, you know, border to border. Man, we we are going to be blowing so much smoke up Ohio's ass here in a little while. I can, can we just save it for the next segment? My God, where, where are you guys at as far as the lockdown restrictions go? Are they still limiting capacity at all the restaurants? You guys got movie theaters open. Like, where are you guys at with the pandemic? We're on a base that, and the, maybe the biggest one here. You see that obviously over the top that the the cleaning policies, the safety, you know, all of that, uh, that you see across the board from hotels to restaurants, whatever that case might be for anyone that is really open, driven to a public forum like that. Uh, those have been, you know, turn the, turn the knob up to 10. Uh, but those have always been there. And, and if, if you're going to a respectable place, they've always paid attention to those and made sure that they, you know, that they've focused in on the cleanliness and the safety procedures for the guests and all that. So, I mean, that's on a consumer to make sure that you're going to a place that you can trust in that fashion. Uh, but, you know, we've got statewide right now, the, the alcohol sales have to be done by 10 o'clock, 10 PM. 
and out of the building by 11. That's here in Ohio. Uh, Kentucky's had some some similar things. They've been like at 11 and midnight. They've changed their things a little. Indiana's like the Wild West over here. And where I'm at here in Cincinnati, I mean, you can be in Indiana within five minutes, especially where I'm recording from here today at Harrison. I can throw a rock and hit Indiana. So everybody, and it's funny, if you're over in Indiana, I've been over a couple times. I got a couple places I like to hang out at. And it's, you can tell at right at, you know, 10 to 10.30, you start seeing this influx of individuals come in. Uh, the parking lots lined up with Ohio plates and everyone's wearing their mask. You can tell they're making their run from other states. As in Indiana, it hasn't really been overly that forced. They've, they have really just put it, you know, left it in the hands of the establishments to make sure that you're practicing the social distancing, that you're keeping things sanitized and of that nature. But you're looking you're looking nationally here, Jargo. Restaurants themselves, an industry that was projected in 2020 to get up to $899 billion. I mean, this would have been an this that would have been an increase of five percent over 2019, is what they were looking at. And you come to an absolute sudden halt right there in, in what was it, March? You start shutting all of these things down here. Right now, you've got 100,000 establishments that are already shut down. They're closed. They're not going to reopen. They're not coming back. And you're even looking at, you've got 40% of what is existing isn't expected to make it a month or so into 2021. What the hell happening to two weeks to flatten the curve? You, you know what I mean? Like, we agreed to do this lockdown for like two weeks and here we are seven months later and we're still doing the same damn thing. And I know that there's some people out there that are like, yeah, and it's not enough. We need to do more. And, you know, I, I talked to our friend Jimmy T down in Australia the other day. I mean, my God, have you heard about what's going on down in like Victoria, like in the Melbourne area? They can leave their house for one hour a day and they can only go within a radius of three and a half kilometers. Even like the when you go to the park to get exercise, they have taken down the basketball hoops. Because you need more than, you know, a half a dozen people to play basketball, so you can't play basketball. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous, man. I just I if people want that for the United States, you want to do that to 350 million people and you expect them to just sit there and take it? Good luck with that. You look at Athers, are you know, our friend Old Athers over in the UK there. Uh, you can catch him. Friday's in the Hameen Media Group at Smack Attack. Him and Money MacGyver. I mean, they're over, those are our UK boys there. Athers, I don't think, has left his house in eight months. Yeah. And, and, and that's partly because of the regulations and the scare tactics that have been. Well, and, and this is a guy who would, you know, get on a train and go to Germany for the weekend to go to a wrestling show. I mean, it's not like Athers was a shut-in before the pandemic. I mean, he's one of the most social people I know, kind of like yourself. Like me, I leave the house to go to work, and that's about it. But that's not too different than it was before the pandemic. I just hate going out in public because, you know, mass groups of people just piss me off. I mean, my God, dude, I, I went to the Walmart with Carly the other day. And it's like we go through and she's like grabbing a bunch of grocery stuff and I'm grabbing a bunch of grocery stuff and we kind of meet in the middle and throw everything in the damn cart. And it takes, you know, maybe a half hour or so. And then we get to the damn checkout where we proceed to stand in the checkout for like 45 goddamn minutes. 
And it's like, I, I'm just, for 45 minutes, I'm just getting aggravated because it's like, I can see the damn customer service desk and you got six freaking people standing over there. Maybe somebody opened up another goddamn register. Like, what the fuck are we doing? And then, of course, the lines look like they're six times longer than they actually are because you got to be six feet away from the next closest fucking person. Don't think that's not going to come into play today. And what you're getting here, you, you are seeing this where there is manipulation of the system. And I know that so many people like, oh, you want to call this a hoax? And I'm not calling this a hoax in any way. This is a very real situation. Believe me, anyone's family that knows how real this thing can absolutely be, it is mine. But there is still, even inside of something as serious as what we're facing here, there is an absolute manipulation. And it is across, it's across the board. It's just not in a political aspect. It is just not from the media. You get down to the very essence of business. You know, they can make cuts and, and hide behind the fact that this is going on and use that for a reasoning when it simply is a bottom line. They're saving their money on this thing. So the reason you're not seeing that employee in, in there, because you're, I'm sure you've seen them there, and I've heard them in multiple states here, where, yes, they are out there. They're promising, oh, we're hiring simply even at, at stocking at night that they're starting at $16, $17. They go out there and, and scream that all they want. They one, they know that it is going to be difficult, especially in a time like this, where there is the scare tactics put out there, the saying that if you go in public, you're absolutely going to get, you're going to catch this thing, and it's a good chance that it's going to kill you, or the possible, even the possibility and all that. That's gonna, that's gonna, you know, push people away from wanting to go seek employment, where we didn't even have that before. Plus, even if you go out there, which I always thought was funny, you go back to when they were handing out the six dollar. I don't know if you want to go unemployment from state to state, mm-hmm. uh, this money. It's funny. We always came up with this 600 that, that the right. left was pushing through that the left is push, push, push is 600. Go to your math on that. If you would work a 40 hour a week, that's fit the $15 that they had been pushing. Yep. And that's what they wanted to need to hand out to you. Everything that they kept pushing on that thing for that 600 comes back to that, that $15 that they have been driving home now for four plus years that we need to be looking at for our minimum wage. But inside of that, if you're the business, if you're the big grocery chain, whatever the case might be there, you're looking at your bottom dollar. Sure, you might be paying some of these new people coming in that, but you don't want to overpay those individuals. You want to overwork, not overpay those individuals. So you're hiding. Oh, you know, we, we, we got these offers out here, but we can't find the people to come in. Well, that's because you've also used tactics to scare them the hell away from this thing. Or you're saying, you know, we couldn't hire that many individuals because, you know, we, we aren't we know that you can look around now. There is this boom. Everyone's on this mad rush for the toilet paper, their toilet paper and their red meats and whatever the case might be. But that's only going to be for so long. We're going to lose that here in two weeks. And then we're trying to look forward to cushion our bank accounts. You got all that that's built into this. And, and it's just a big mushroom cloud of bullshit well it's like one of the things that i've heard a lot of talk about here in the last couple of weeks is well trump knew about this i mean he was he was recorded on tape of saying that he knew how bad this was and he wasn't honest with the american people no he wasn't you know why because you people would freak the fuck out and lose your goddamn mind look at what you did with toilet paper fucking toilet paper Imagine that on a mass scale. Like, my God, no. You have to keep a sense of calm in the country. Good God. Just, 
Absolutely ridiculous, well, again, man. You know, this, this kind of gets back to the many conversations I had. When it does focus in on the hospitality, the restaurant industry, whatever that might be, is this overreaction that we had and these just crazy numbers that, you know, that are just laid out here. I mean, the expect, expectation of the billions that were supposed to be made that have been lost inside of this. The hundred over 100,000 establishments and up to 40% more that, that we could lose here just because of the without the game planning, without actually know what we were dealing with to go in there and, and push this force close to do this immediate stoppage. Now, again, I believe I believe in that we should have taken precautions. There should have been something there, but I think we just overreacted. And the facts are in, too. You go back and look at where a lot of these cases are originating from, and this goes coast to coast. Sure, you're going to have some exceptions at some point somewhere, but you're not seeing a lot of these cases actually originating in restaurants that have been such the feared point. You're not seeing it. That's where where they're, you're pinpointing where someone has picked this thing up. It, it's in other aspects of their life. It, it is in the workplace. You know, it, it's at home. It's at family functions. That's where you're seeing this thing. And again, it, it comes back to when you go into a restaurant, if you're going into a, a choose wisely, don't go into some hole in the wall where they're obviously not taking care of anything. But some of the cleanest places that we have that are focused in on sanitation efforts are our restaurants. Yeah, it's crazy to me, man. Like we were talking here a couple of weeks ago and it occurred to me, Jesus Christ, I haven't been in a restaurant since March. Since March. And that just that just seems insane. I don't know. Again, you that's your nature. You and I, you know, for those that are fair, we we spent a weekend up at in Chicago together. Well, for, granted, that is my nature, but that, I mean that's an extreme. And it was like pulling teeth to get you to go in and try some of the local cuisine. Oh, yeah. Uh, it got to the point when we went to the main event, the highlight we were going to go get that original, delicious Chicago deep dish pie. Jargo says, no, no, no. Bye. Yeah, bowl of I'm marinara. Going get, I, I'm going to my, get my uh, my double or my bacon, my bacon junior cheeseburgers. That's right. I ate like four of them, too, and they were fantastic. Shout outs to the Schaumburg, Illinois Wendy's. That place was awesome. Awesome. Big fan. You know what? Let's uh, let's let's go ahead. We'll take a break from uh, our friends over at Hami Media and uh, we'll, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about tacos. Hami Media Group continues to grow to new heights because of our loyal fan base and incredible sponsors. You followed us on our affiliate Hami Media Group channels for all of our awesome shows, including South Park Reviews, NFO Star Wars and the Academy Star Trek Reviews, The Horror Junkyard, and all of our affiliate programming. We will continue to bring you the best in wrestling, conspiracy, and alternative media. Thank you for supporting our sponsors, subscriptions, sending bits, and promotion of the Hameen Media Group platform. Add both Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on your iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube feeds. Thank you to the following sponsors. Zordos Olive Oil. Zordos Olive Oil is the finest artisan Greek olive oil on the market today. It's also the perfect holiday gift. You can make your family's favorite holiday recipe and they'll say it's the best thing they've eaten all year. It's imported. It's ultra premium Greek olive oil and it's available now at ZordosOliveOil.com. Again, that's ZordosOliveOil.com. Zordos Olive Oil. Taste the difference for yourself. 
The Coffee Roasters at thebroasters.com. A new five-pound bag of Vince Russo Bro Coffee is here. Stock up before the next lockdown, bro. Broasters.com is the only place to get the limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Get up and have a cup of bro. Bro, exclusively from the Brosters.com and RussoBrand.com. Use the official promo code BRO5LB when you place your order, and you'll save some money, bro. At Hameen Media Group, we're all about self-improvement. Improve your mind and body with Stevie Richards Fitness. Head over to StevieRichardsFitness.com and take control of your fitness with Stevie's Resistance Band programs. These programs have been set up for every level of fitness. You can also try the brand new Stevie Richards Yoga Program to make sure your flexibility and balance improve so you can feel your best. Visit StevieRichardsFitness.com today and build a better you. ProWrestlingTees.com, the best way to support your favorite independent wrestlers, podcasts, and hosts from the Hami Media Group and Russo brand is to get their official merchandise exclusively at ProWrestlingTees.com. Support all of the great Hami Media Group talent by visiting their Pro Wrestling Tea stores, such as the Greek God Papadon, BWO Stevie Richards, Big Sal under SEG shirts, Chris Silvio, the superstar himself, and of course, Ben Hameen, Yala. Hey, Infidel. You want to become an official HMG operative? Well, now's your chance. Just follow us on Twitter at Hameen Media Group. Shoot us a request, and we'll send you the invite link so you can join the brand new private Discord server under Hameen Media Group. You can also join us on Facebook in the Hameen Media Discussion Group and interact with the entire HMG army. Play along in the Pick'em Challenges, hang out in the Watch Along threads, and interact with the HMG hosts. You can also check out all of HMG's Conspiracy Horseman propaganda on our Instagram by following us at Hameen Media Group. Like, follow, and share, or be destroyed. Once again, thank you to all of our sponsors, subscribers, followers, guests, producers, and hosts of Hameen Media Group. 2.2 million downloads for Hameen Media Group is all because of your efforts and support. Now, let's get to the main event. Shout out to our friends over at the Hameen Media Group. Love those guys. Two feeds now. Man, like 2.2 million downloads? Just absolutely crazy to me. Well, you, you know that's that's a big big part of the the reemergence, the the evolution again here uh, of the hitting the marks podcast is you know they need someone to carry that second feed here. I mean, media group at fivebean.com. <laughs> they they need it. They needed that that franchise quarterback back under center, calling the shots, moving the offense, and of course they turned to jargon RBV. We're, we're going to talk about a, a franchise quarterback here in just a little bit. First, we get, we, we got to get over to uh, one of our new feature segments. This is called I'm RBV and I'm Hungry. It's the Taco Tuesday edition. But first, this word from Fast Bastard. Wait a minute. He kind of looks like a baby. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly! Man, I got to admit, when I was ripping that that quote, I was just like, God, how did this ever become like part of pop culture? Get in my belly! It's so freaking great. Love that movie. Well, I was thinking, you know, it, it is so fitting here. Is anybody out there, you follow me on across social media, at the real RBV. Uh, you, you pick up on the delicious of the day. You pick up on RBV Fitness. 
you know, it's, which is all about making a more well-rounded you. And it is those incredible eats, those delicious drinks. Uh, but yeah, where, what better place to start? You know, we set out when we started reformatting this show. We targeted that date. We wanted to kind of base it around Taco Tuesday because I know how important it is in the Jargo household. You guys are a regular. I mean, it's 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 more of a church for you guys. You know, uh, I, I I think in the last Carly and I were talking about this. I think over the course of about the last eight or nine years, we have missed one Taco Tuesday. And that was immediately after the derecho hit on August 10th. That Tuesday, we did not have tacos. I think that's the first time in like eight years. So it took literally, I would say, a natural disaster. A little to, part of me died. To, little part. To prevent it, the it, took, it took a Category 4 hurricane in Iowa to prevent me from tacos on Tuesday. Well, and as you know, Taco Tuesday, it is one of the pillars of RBB Fitness. Uh, now, see, you know, for, here, though, for me, I, I could do Taco Tuesday any day. I mean, to me, it's not a day. It, it's a it's a philosophy. It's a way of life. It's true. But, you know, as, as we get into it and we discuss maybe our habits and some of the rights and wrongs of Taco Tuesday, a, a little bit of history here. You know, maybe maybe some uh, to drop a little knowledge so that you can really enjoy your next Taco Tuesday experience, which hopefully is today for everybody out there. Hopefully you're kind of uh, you're a bunch of munching and crunching along with us here on the the re debut episode. Are, are we calling this an episode one? An episode one or I, I I'm just calling it. Did you ever see the movie Hot Shots? I have. Hot Shots Part Two. Yeah, hitting the marks Part Two. That's what I'm calling it. Right, would you, would you, the, the first documented advertisement for a Taco Tuesday goes back to 1933. Wow. Suck on that, LeBron James, trying yeah. to trademark it. Well, uh, we're going to get some trademark talk here. This is, this is the first advertisement mentioning tacos and Tuesday. Now, it really didn't come into fame, though, where you got where they were, uh, you know, really with the moniker taco tuesday that didn't really happen until 1973 okay so we got that captain i mean so it does go back here but in the modern age i guess the, the taco tuesday that we know it as where it is dubbed actually taco tuesday that's in 1973 now and he had mentioned there lebron james he's been trying to grab a trademark on actually his what he's trying to apply for was taco tuesdays and he wanted it for social media video streaming purposes as, as you know you get into this trademark stuff it, all that legal mumbo jumbo very complex here. is that basically just so we can monetize on like you know instagram facebook youtube absolutely, absolutely. now now the actual trademark itself uh for restaurant purposes uh there is an owner and that belongs to uh taco john's it's a wyoming-based fast food chain uh, they have over 400 locations yeah we've, the we, Midwest. we've got a couple here locally yeah you bet you, you do have them okay so yep. i, I kind of was looking into them here it looks like the closest we got to me is are down in kentucky uh there might be some over on the very western side of indiana so i, I could seek them out i believe me i thought maybe about taking a trip down to to see the old uh old dr mcnailer yeah, there you go. Uh, down, down around the area to see if I can to to find a uh, what is it there a Taco John's. Shout so, out to yeah, Maine they, Beast. 
they've actually had this thing since like 30 years. And it, they have sent out over the years, they said, thousands of cease and desist letters on this thing. Wow, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, Taco John's is okay. I mean, their potato olays are amazing. Um, but uh, around here, um, burritos are a much bigger thing than tacos because uh, there is a local place in Iowa City called Poncheros. Um, that I believe only has like three, four locations. They're all in the state of Iowa, but it is like the perfect, I've been wandering around Iowa city drunk for the last three hours. And I really need to put something in my stomach food. Uh, yeah. Poncheros, but it, it's mostly burritos. I, I think you can get tacos there. Well, I, I think what you've seen, what you're seeing nationally, the trend is though, is burritos had their boom when we're talking about, you know, if it falls under that Mexican umbrella, they've had mm-hmm. their boom. But that trend is starting to curve back towards the more traditional taco. Not so much the crunchy shell, uh, but the soft shell. It's in the street style that are easy on the go. You can get a couple of them real quick. You're on the run. You're starting to see that trend moving back this way. I, now, let's talk about the different styles and the different types that people enjoy. I, I know you, Jargo, you're more of a, I guess what we could call a, a on-the-fly taco salad guy as you crunch everything up. Mix it all together. It, it, it really, really helps when you have young kids. There's also a lot of people that call them like walking tacos to where like we will literally like just break up the shells, put them in a bowl, and then you put a, a layer of meat and cheese and whatever else you want on it. And then you put another layer of shell and then another layer of meat and then more cheese and whatever you want to put on top of it. You know, and you do that, you know, four, five, six tacos deep. And uh, th- then you eat your taco bowl. Now, have you guys ever taken that kind of and made the the taco casseroles where you layer the things and then bake them, which is also good? I have had taco casserole. Uh, my old roommate used to make a killer taco casserole. I haven't had one in a very long time, but uh, she actually also works at the TV station. So when I get to work tonight, I'm going to send her an email that she should probably make that for me because it was really, really freaking good. Now, I know you, you're a traditionalist, and I'll go with you on this. You can't go wrong with just the beef, just the traditional beef. Season that bad boy up, you're good to go. Now, I know yeah. we've got all sorts of other different variations out there, and I, I love them all. But for me, the go-to, the, the old number one, A1, is the beef. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I do enjoy t- uh, chicken tacos if the chicken is prepared like very, very well. Um, I, I, But it's weird because I am a huge seafood guy. I love all kinds of seafood, and, but I hate fish tacos. I absolutely freaking loathe it. It's just like this. It's like pineapple on pizza for me. Like it just does not work in any way, shape or form. Now, see, you have a cross. Well, if you get down to like your traditional, I'm not, I'm not really big into things that are coming out of the water, but I do love shrimp. So I, I love me some shrimp tacos. If it's either uh, a tradition, maybe a grilled, I've done them where it's like a raw style. If it's fried, a little you put a little yum yum or some bang bang sauce on those things. A little slaw, absolutely incredible when you go with the shrimp taco there. Uh, I like the pulled pork. I like the chicken. I've never tried it, but I, I imagine like if you did like a fish like mahi mahi, where it was something that's like more of a dense fish. It's almost more like a steak than you know a, a real flaky fish. I bet you that would be good, but yeah. Otherwise, I just I, seafood tacos. Well, just well, I know I know what's like what's really popular is you go up to Harbor House, one of my clients there in northern Ohio, right on Lake Erie, 
is, you know, you get the, the Lake Erie, the perch and the walleye out of there and they're fried. Yeah. And I said, you know, they, they come out with that unique slaw and you, you come up with maybe like a little zesty house sauce or you put a bang bang on there. Absolutely. I mean, they, they flying out of the, flying out of the kitchen. Uh, each and every Tuesday when they're running their specials there. But I don't want to try Mahi Mahi tacos now. Damn it. I, I, I do that switch. You know, I start with the hard shell. I might mix in one or two soft, but as I'm getting ready for Taco Tuesday right here, I'm, I'll probably start off with five hard shell, go into two or three soft shell, and then you got to have the leftovers. And then I go into the Jarco style where I'm looking at the walking taco. If we got any shells left, those are getting crunched up. And we just got some nachos in the cupboard. Doritos. Hey, Doritos, Doritos work great for that. Absolutely. I used to be that hardcore believer in that walking taco that it had to be a Frito. And as I started in my travels, I started picking up where people were using the Doritos. You're bad. Absolutely incredible. I, I switched my gears more towards the Dorito. More specifically, I know a lot of people use the nacho cheese yeah. Doritos there. I'll even use no, the taco flavor. So I am exploding with flavor there. Fiesta of flavors. For my taco Tuesday. Let, let, let's get to the real important thing when it comes to tacos. How many different cheeses do you put on your typical taco? Because I, I like to have about three or four. Uh, I, I mix it up. I, I think that, it, but here's a, another part of this that I really love. I love when you go out to the restaurant there and you get the white cheddar. Yes. I always get an extra side of it. You bet. So, so I can load in there. Absolutely. And it's one of those things that for whatever reason, you, you buy it at, you buy it out the store and you try to do it yourself at home. It just doesn't have that same, that same flavor to it. It's something maybe about the vibe, the atmosphere while you're there that you just can't compare those two. Love those. I always get an extra side or two of that. But I like the thicker cut. I like a traditional just cheddar on there. I do like the the Mexican-style blends from time to time. Yeah, the fiestas. Yeah, those those are okay on a go-to. Uh, but, yeah, it's also, you know, it's also about what kind of seasoning, what other toppings are going in there. Traditionally, just for me, you know, it's – Load it up with that cheese. And here's another thing I do with mine. And it, sometimes they look at me like I'm a weirdo when I request this in a restaurant. Is I do, I want cheese on top and bottom. Ooh, I can see that. I want that everywhere. I want you to load, line the bottom of that shell with the cheese before you put my meat on. Then give me my toppings. Then give me more cheese on there. But inside, of, but also inside of there, you, you got the cheese on top and bottom. You, you got your, your filling in there. Tomatoes, onion, a little bit of lettuce at times. I'm not a big lettuce fan. I did. I love some jalapeno in there. Do you do like uh, the sour cream or salsa on the tacos? Uh, I'm not. A, I could do some salsa. I like, you know, we get the pico de gallo, the dry, drier salsa. So I'm not overly, uh, you know, creating just messy run for myself. No, I'm not a sour cream guy. Uh, I don't know if I had some kind of bad experience in jail that I've just repressed. Uh, but I just don't like large, white, creamy substance on anything that I'm putting in my mouth absolutely tremendous that's why we are doing this show once again ladies and, and gentlemen and, and, quotes and like here, that and for everybody out here though here is your taco tuesday take it take it to the bank tip and this goes out there for all the restaurants and all that or you're at home and, and while you're plating this thing if you're putting it in a boat if you're on a plate however you're putting this thing together you always have to use an underlining soft taco of just the shell either in the boat the basket the plate because we all go through this. It's impossible to eat a taco without having the taco leavings That's that true. fall out of, of the one that you're actually taking care of at that moment. So then if you've got three of them, you got all those leavings, they fall onto that soft tortilla. You've got yourself an extra taco. You know, you said that you weren't a big lettuce guy. 
and I'm with you. I absolutely hate freaking lettuce. Like it just disgusts me. I have no logical or rational reason why, but lettuce freaking disgusts me. And there's nothing worse than going to Taco Bell just because you want to grab a quick freaking taco and you take a bite of your taco and there isn't any lettuce on the taco, but there's like one little strain of lettuce that ended up in the taco meat because the grubby bastard didn't change his freaking gloves. Oh my God, dude, I could murder those people. I could just well, no, absolutely it's, it's freaking murder the them. Gloves. Not necessarily gloves. It's about where they're placed on their on their prep table. Uh, so if they're carrying lettuce just... over top of anything else, oh. that's why you've got to have something like that out front. Disgusting. So it, it's it's not dropping air. And you're right. It, and to me, for that lettuce again, it's about the establishment. If I'm you know if I'm out somewhere that I is a little more upscale, I'm going to trust that they have a little bit more fresh lettuce. Uh, that how they've ordered it is probably coming from a more reputable distributor. It all tastes like dirt. Lettuce. Gross. All right, man. It's it, it's time. It's time. It's time to talk election 2020. But first, it's time for a seven-second dance party. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring that back for for no apparent reason. I was actually just thinking about our truth the other day, and I went and checked, and yeah, we're we're, we're still blocked by our truth for the seven second dance party. So shout out to our truth. All right, Huckleberry, let's talk election twenty twenty. I did uh, basically a two hour podcast with uh, Jimmy T and Chris Ams and 8-Track Brown over at the Rational Rage Network. Uh, you can also find uh, from the Rational Rage Network the Pro Wrestling Coalition um, appearing now on the HTM Podcast Network. So doing a little bit of cross-promoting there. But me and Track went on there and we screamed at one another about politics for about two hours. But I think I won the debate because at the end of the show, he said that he was not voting for Joe Biden. So that made me uh, feel pretty good. Um, I, I will confess at this point, I did not vote for Joe Biden. I also did not vote for Donald Trump. I voted libertarian because I can't stand either one of those assholes. But we, we do need to talk about this election more so because of the lasting effects and expectations that we have going into this thing today, man. Let me throw something out here. You know, you're saying you, you want third party here. I did. We're we seeing this. You regularly see this where individuals are coming out more and more that we need more options. We need more representation. We need more parties. Uh, to me, this is almost the same as we need to expand the playoffs in whatever sport it might be. It is more better. I, I would like to counter I like to counter with, you know, something I've, I've been kind of pondering on here is that if somehow we could get rid of all the parties and let you stand on the issues, not where you feel that you have to be over affiliated on something that you might not be as firmly behind as opposed to as a reason I had been thinking about this thing is as I go down, I was taking one of those. Uh, not where you're committed to either side, where it just asks your thoughts on on certain issues, right. where you stand, or how you each, how you actually rank those of importance to you personally in your life. And obviously, yes, it had me leaning towards conservative. I was leaning right. That's something that I've already known. But inside of that, you know, if I'm if I'm running for political office and I want to represent those values that are truest to me, 
just by default because I would be under the Republican ticket, I have to overly push these other things that I don't think are ultimately a huge concern to our country that are sometimes an over focal point that have ultimately become a distraction. And not that we've seen just in this election or the last election, but I'm going back decades now. Were there the old magician's trick that you and I always used to talk about over the years is where, you know, what am I doing here with this hand? Look over here. It's all flashy and pretty. But what are they really pulling on us on the other side there? It, to me, if, if you're not forced to draw that line in the sand and put yourself on in either one of those categories, I think you begin to open up people's eyes to a much, you know, the broader issues that we're facing here in this country. Well, I think part of the problem is we already have much more than a two-party system. It's just that there's only two parties that actually, you know, meet the Federal Election Commission guidelines. Um, and what my hope is, and what I voted for, I know Dr. Joe Jorgensen is not going to win this presidential election. But what I'm hoping is that the Libertarian Party can take at least the correct percentage of the vote to be recognized by the Federal Elections Commission, because then they qualify for a bunch more funding and debate platforms and whatnot. And to me, if you really want fundamental change in this country, we do need to break up these two parties, because I, I do agree, like... I tend to fall to the left when it comes to social policies. I tend to fall to the right when it comes to the military and fiscal policies. So I considered myself a true independent, but I cannot stand Joe Biden. He's been there for 47 years and done basically nothing except cater to the voting base and whatever they want to hear today. And I also, I can't stand Donald Trump. And I mean, policy-wise, there's a lot that I agree with Trump on, but he's just a fucking dick. And I just, in good conscience, I couldn't vote for either one of them. And I, if we are going to keep putting out the two worst people that we can find to be our presidential nominees, then it's time that we have another option. The problem to me is when I look at the left, they're already two parties. There's regular Democrats, and then there's these damn social Democrats. And when I look at the right, I see Republicans, and then I see these far-right conservatives, and I can't stand either of the bases on the far side. We need more moderates, and that is what I just feel is missing. It's too red versus blue for my taste at this point. Well, and I feel this goes back to the point I was just making, I think, was what has really hurt President Trump during his four years here is he's complied to many things that we wouldn't see Trump even focusing on four years ago. Uh, you know, as we start getting into like the religious aspects of things here, it, he wouldn't be pushing those agendas that he is now. It's because he's complying with the right wing base, the party that he needs. To Absolutely. Uh, you know, for me, like when I talk about those things there, what's what's really important to me is, again, military, um, fiscal responsibility. And, and at its very core, what I think is the biggest problem here in this country that you hear no one talking about. I mean, really talking about you. You get these buzzwords and these key talking points from them. But it's our education system. And I'm not talking it's about trash. I'm not talking about free or debt forgiveness. I'm talking about blowing up an entire system that has become infected. It is diseased with agendas that is pushing generations in the in the wrong directions to the point where we're almost out of control with this thing. 
No yeah. one's talking about those. You get to everything. All of our issues that we got going on here in society, if it's you know racial tensions or if it is where we're at with our budget, if it is looking forward to you know just how individuals how they can maintain their own personal lives it begins with fixing your education system and that starts from from preschool to post-grad and you don't see a focus on that that's where i'm at here so as i lean to the right then it's just assumed that i'm some you know just god-fearing individual when it when it comes to you know like abortion i am pro-choice but i would encourage you to choose pro-life but I understand I'm not the one that has to make that choice. That is you. I understand that there are different circumstances. Now, ultimately, my biggest issue with that is I don't want to have to pay for you making that decision. Yep. As far as I am concerned, the federal government has two jobs. Stimulate the economy, protect our borders. Other than that, leave me the fuck alone. Leave it to the states. States' rights have been so completely lost inside of a 2020 context. I mean, even masks. Like, we were talking about masks earlier. Here's the thing, right? One blanket policy for the entire United States does not work because the situation is not the same in the middle of nowhere Wyoming as it is in New York City. This is why I oppose a federal mandate on masks. It's, it's not the same in New York City as it is in upstate New York. Right. So I, I feel that that power should be left to the states. Guess what? I feel the same way about education. I feel the same way about health care. If I don't like the direction that Iowa is going and the policies being put forth by the state, guess what I can do? Move to another fucking state where I actually do agree with the policies, whether it be Texas, whether it be New York, whether it be Illinois, it sure as hell won't be New Jersey. I can guarantee you that because New Jersey is the most hated state in the United States. Well, and again, it, you create an open marketplace. I mean, almost exactly. in the sense of industry and business, it, you're you're creating different little, just your, your little space of heaven or whatever that, you know, whatever that might be there. But you get to choose where you want to set yourself up and align yourself with individuals that share in your beliefs. And yes, we still fall under this great umbrella of the United States. We are still one, but it, you know, it goes down to. What is working for just outside of COVID for just spending wise in California is should not apply to how they regulate and mandate situations inside of Texas. Absolutely. And in saying that, I kind of wanted to take a look at the states of Ohio and the state of Iowa. I can tell you what I think is going to happen in the state of Iowa this election cycle. Absolutely nothing. Iowa at this point has very much become a purple state. I think Abby Finkenauer, who is the Democratic nominee for the House of Representatives in my district, is going to win. I also think that the United States Senator, Joni Ernst, who is up for re-election this time, who is a Republican, I also think she is going to win. I don't think anything is going to change. I think the people that voted for Finkenauer before are going to vote for her again. And I think the people that voted for Ernst are going to vote for Ernst again. How are you feeling there in Ohio? Like, is, does anything feel like it's actually changing in Ohio? Or do you expect like your state representatives, your state government, your state representatives inside of Congress to basically stay the same going forward in 2020? 
Well, I do think this is kind of looking a little bit forward. Uh, probably the biggest focus here in Ohio, before we get to the presidential talk on this, has been around just our governor, who is... Who is he is, up for election this year? No. Okay. No. Um, but just what he has done to these party lines here, and and it, and it kind of goes across the board. I, and this is something I did want to bring up to you, but it is how we vote. But ain't real quick to him is the wine here has tremendously alienated the right. He, he has seen has gone so far left in, you know, just the shutdowns here and all the regulations that have been put into place and more. And it just seen as more forcing his will. And, and now he's trying to backpedal a little bit here. And he's saying, you know, we need as a country to address this thing. Well, no, this is your job. This is your state. We're looking to you for leadership. We don't want the federal government put into this thing. Right. It's almost like it's almost like he is. He's got that slow burn turn where he's kind of on that switch. And now what is what lasting effects is that going to have on the party? Uh, going forward, he's already, as I said, alienated himself from his party. Could he truly be welcome from for another party or, you know, are they just going to say the hell with this? You know, you, you were still one of them, even if you're playing ball with this here. And I think you, what's big on the presidential form here, Ohio, we were talking about this last night off air. You have to win Ohio. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's history. It, it's it's in the history. You don't win Ohio, you don't win the presidency. Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Those are the three states that it's really going to come down to. You got to win Ohio, Florida, and, and Pennsylvania. And, and, and what you're seeing here around Ohio is, and they were each here last week with representatives and all that. Mm-hmm. They are surrounding this area. I know right now they're hitting up Pennsylvania big. They're hitting Michigan, Indiana. They're just kind of swarming this Midwest area because it is such a hotbed. One of the scariest things here in Ohio, which is so pivotal for anybody that's chasing after that presidency, is where Trump really took the state last time around, where he really surprised individuals, was in the independents and the women voters. And he is just tremendously uh, from last year. He's not that far behind Biden right now in the polls and those are the expectations of him. But the drop off from the last run in 16, he's just not getting that support there. I very much believe that we need to do away with these polls. I do not think that the Trump voters are responding to the MSNBC polls. I think that the polls are just terribly, terribly skewed. I mean, I I look at these rallies that Trump is throwing and there's 25,000 people that show up. And then I look at these rallies that Biden is throwing and there's more Trump supporters outside protesting than there is Biden supporters inside. I mean, I I just I, I, I cannot see it happening. I just don't because I feel like the Trump voters are going to go out and they're going to vote for Trump. The people who are just voting against Trump, who don't necessarily like Joe Biden, I think there is going to be a lot of them that are going to drive by their polling location and see lines that are wrapped around the building because they're six times longer than they actually need to be because people have to be six feet apart. And they're just going to say, you know what? Screw it. I don't like Biden that much. Well, we were talking about this, too. It's a manipulation of a situation. And what you can try to do is getting out there. You you posted it in your your takes of the day, your thoughts of the day. Only the media, 
know, to tr- truly know how the media, how that mind works, you have to be inside of the media. Yep. No. And, and and right here, as we hear, especially as we are uh, hours away from this thing being over with here, supposedly hours away we, we might we might be sitting here next tuesday and still have no clue what direction we might be sitting here six weeks from now and not know but but as you know as we've seen this increase that was over the halloween weekend and, and here into election day is a manipulation oh the poll is at this you know or you could see it on both sides where we've seen just over the weekend you've seen that spike oh this could this could be trump's this could be trump's for the taking here well, that's that's actually out there to make sure that there isn't that last minute insurgence of people having to go flood the polls. You know, now it is. Yeah, I was registered, but oh, man, we've already lost this thing. I'll go. I'll just stick around here for a couple more tacos today instead of going to vote. You have that inside there. I think Trump wins and I think Trump wins big. What do you think? I think inside of it, I think it is going to be much closer than than last time around. I know from from what's your standpoint, I mean, it's going to make for some hellacious couple days here, this coverage. Uh, I remember sitting here four years ago until like four in the morning as we're trying to sort through this thing as they're making this call. And it is you look to social media, just the, the shock and awe, you know, some people in disbelief, those that were rallying behind Trump that the we're still as I'm sitting there watching this thing. I remember just in that moment, just thinking like, this can't really be happening. I, I know all the efforts that we put out there and support and everything like that, but I, I really didn't think it would happen. Right. Uh, you know, that we would see just this kind of shakeup. I, I think it's going to be by the slimmest of margins. I think this would be one of the closest that, that we've seen. Again, this is going to, uh, it's going to be prolonged. It's going to be pushed here. And just because everything else we've had with all the, the, the pre-voting, the mail-in, you're going to come to the surface now, I believe, on both sides. Either which way this this goes is looking into attempts at fraud or where they were successful in pulling these things out. As we're looking at predictions here and moving forward, the biggest thing that, that I wanted to use this platform for is, again, is I think that it, no matter what side you're on, I think so many of us are realizing that this system is completely broken, that we are not we're not sitting here in any scenario having conversations about which one of these is the best leader what is the best option to truly move this country forward we're just trying to get away from a lesser of two evils and it it would bring back to what i want to ask you too is across the board here how many individuals how how divided we are and i don't want to say this is the most that we've ever been divided because a lot of everything. Oh, we've never seen things like this in the world. What's up? Yes, you go back. The Benini has been manipulating things from the very first election. Yeah, there was newspapers set up by the the opponents of George Washington to just smear his ass at every every turn and every chance they had. That's always existed. You want to talk about voter fraud and manipulating the system? Well, let's go back to. In the days where you could have lived out west, and it might have been two years before you even heard who the president was. I mean, your vote absolutely didn't matter back then if you was lucky enough to make it to anywhere where they were getting counted. But the, the, the divide that we have here, how many people are just going down a ballot and saying Republican, 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 Democrat, 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 without actually studying the issues that are relevant to them, especially on their local and state level, yep. where it really matters where those decisions should be made? 
those are this is what we need a transformation in that people need to go out there and put aside these damn party lines and these labels and stereotypes like this and really study these these different situations really study the issues and how important they are to just not you know, to you personally but your local your your local situation that's what we need yeah no i i agree there's far too much emphasis put on the president um when it comes to your state representatives when it comes to the local government they have far more influence in your everyday day-to-day operations than the president of the united states does that's that's just reality Huckleberry, any final case for Donald Trump? Anybody that may still be undecided sitting there in their work cubicle, listening to us in their ear holes at 11 o'clock in the morning and the polls close at seven. You got a final pitch for Trump? Well, I get it. It just goes back to you need to look at your look at yourself in the mirror. Look at what candidate is going to actually be there to support what you firmly believe is the best for yourself and, you know, the best for those around you locally and the best for your country here. And that doesn't mean to be selfish as in a way of, well, yes, we'd all like to have handouts, but that's not really going to get us anywhere. So you look at those and then you truly go out there and you cast your vote with your heart. And if it is for Donald Trump, God bless you. Thanks for the support. And if it is Joe Biden, just stay the fuck wherever you are thinking about what I said. And if you are like me and you cannot stand Joe Biden and his really lack of any kind of record over the course of the last 47 years. And if you want to look up anything good about him, um, good luck with that because uh, everything that is out there is not very good. Or if you think Donald Trump is just a complete fucking prick and you just cannot stand the fucking guy and you're just like, I I don't like either one of these guys. Screw it. I'm just not going to vote. Sincerely consider throwing your vote towards the Libertarian Party and let's see if we can get another actual alternative to the lesser of two evils. With that, let's go ahead and throw it over to one of our favorite shows that we ever did, HTM Sports. We're actually bringing it back, but we're bringing it back as a segment featuring our friend Ryan K. Bowman from over at Sportskedia. Let's get it with your two-minute warning with Ryan K. Bowman. Bowman from SportsKita.com here with this edition of the HTM Sports 2-Minute Drill. On first down, the Pittsburgh Steelers remain undefeated after a close win against Baltimore on Sunday, but are they a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Securing home field advantage will be a big factor in answering that question, but it's hard to bet against the previous success of both Ben Roethlisberger and head coach Mike Tomlin. Second down, Justin Herbert is my pick to win the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Even after throwing two interceptions on Sunday, he still tossed 15 TD strikes against only five picks, and he's getting better as the season progresses. Third down, it's time for the Detroit Lions to realize that Matt Patricia will never be anything close to the coach's mentor Bill Belichick is. He's 12-26-1 in his time in the Motor City and has alienated several players with his approach. It's time to cut ties and bring in a new head man. On fourth down, 
Hey, New York, you know what stinks worse than the stale urine in your subway systems? Your football teams. The Jets got completely dismantled on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs, and the two teams from the city that never sleeps look awfully sleepy. The guys in green are winless, and the Giants headed into their Monday night football matchup against Tampa Bay at 1-6. Both squads recently drafted young quarterbacks that look like they're going to be in the dreaded rebuilding mode for a long, long time. The clock's ticking, so I want to remind everyone before I go that you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K. Bowman and Facebook at Ryan K. Bowman. And, of course, you can follow my NFL and pro wrestling coverage every day at SportsKeeda.com. And speaking of those aforementioned Jets, the only thing that matched their incompetence this weekend was the parallel on the other side of the field when you saw the brilliance of the Kansas City Chiefs. Behind the most exciting offensive player in the league in Patrick Mahomes, the Jets look like a high school team playing against King Kong. The Super Bowl MVP lit them up for five touchdowns with no interceptions while throwing over 400 yards. As I mentioned in my coverage on Sunday, with Mahomes at the helm and a stacked offense, the Chiefs look to be the most dominant team in the NFL right now. So Rick and Jargo, I'll leave you with the question of the week. Do you believe there's a chance the Kansas City Chiefs could be a dynasty for years to come? And of course, vaya con Dios, muchachos. I like this, Huckleberry. He gives us the topics, and then we get to discuss them. I like how this works. We need more of that. Shoot, shoot us some topics. Hitting the marks at gmail.com. His question this week about Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs. Could we see a potential dynasty? Huckleberry, what do you think? Are we ever going to see another potential dynasty in the NFL? Well, everybody is so they're so hungry to have that question answered for them, right? I mean, because you, you love to get behind, you rally behind that team, maybe those seemingly those upstarts, sometimes underdogs that are going to rise to the top. But on the way there, would we be remiss if we just dismiss the team that's already there just because maybe they've fallen on some hard times here? Are we completely ready to dismiss the the kings of the roost, uh, the Patriots? Yeah, well, I, I I think it's pretty clear that the Patriots dynasty is dead at this point. I, I wouldn't say that. They were in a retooling. I, I, you I you can't be serious. Shown, they have absolutely shown time and time again that if you can get behind, if, if the system continues to work, it might have it might be at a lull right now. They they might on some, be on some hard times, but after a season and a half, I'm not completely done with them here. And I think what's more important is when you look at the environment that that is around you that you continue to build in. Now, yes, I do like the I do like the Chiefs' chances out there in the West, uh, but I think that they can be got out there. We obviously have to have a conversation about the questionable overinvestment in Mahomes. I, I do think they got a tremendous system, but you're a bad break. You're a bad move away from potentially losing all that. I still have faith in a system that has been going on here for damn what? Two decades. I think one of, or both of the following things need to happen. If the chiefs are going to form an actual dynasty, either they are going to have to get really, really good at drafting rookie offensive linemen to have on that, that pre rookie contract for four to five years and then draft another rookie offensive lineman. And that's what Mahomes' O-line is going to look like for the next decade as soon as that big contract kicks in. Or the other option is you have to convince free agents to come to Kansas City to play with Patrick Mahomes and take a pay cut. 
like the Le- the LeBron James thing, right? Where you, you take a little bit less money so you, you can go play with LeBron. Well, they, they have to be of star caliber, or are you just suggesting that they just kind of copy and paste a Patriot system where, yes, we can fit you into our program here. We are going to revive you. We're going to pull you maybe off the scrap pile, but we're going to give you an opportunity to make those final Super Bowl runs. Obviously, I mean, that's everybody. Everybody in the league has been doing. You're looking for that franchise mark at your quarterback. And they're not a dime a dozen. And we can look through at how many failures, many more failures that we've seen here. And even looking forward that are look like bust instead of those home runs. But yeah, that's exactly what the Patriots have been doing. So we're looking to Kansas City to build that next dynasty by a team that already has that. I'm not saying Kansas City can't do it. I'm just not ready to dismiss the Patriots. And then again, obviously, you have those little interruptions there with how strong the AFC is now because you're always going to have somebody who's sitting at the undefeated mark right now in Pittsburgh who always inside of their program and how they knew know how to reload. I also think part of the problem is it's Kansas City. Like Kansas City isn't necessarily like the most happening town in the in the country right now. And, you know, it's. 20 below zero in December and it's just it's not a pleasant environment to live in when you're playing an outdoor weather sport you know it's just it's Kansas City and I think that could absolutely play into it especially if you're trying to get free agents I mean they want to go to Miami they want to go to Tampa you know they don't want to go to Kansas City I'm sorry Kansas City people you know but it's, you know, it's not like, you know, they're one of them hipster towns on the rise. It's, it's the same problem Green Bay has. You, you ever notice free big name free agents never end up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the best thing to do on a Friday night is go to Walmart? Well, and you, you, know? look when, and you look when the Packers did have that last great run where they were up there considered as one of those mini dynasties is when they did break through that wall and you brought in Reggie White. Yeah. And that changed that culture there. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And then we got lucky with Brett Favre. I mean, and and then Aaron Rodgers fell into our lap. You know, uh, Favre, well, Favre, Favre had been there. Favre had been there, but I mean, he wasn't really. He'd found his own yet. He was kind of that hot shot gunman on the rise. Well, yeah, I mean, Favre's first year, he was in Atlanta. Like they went out and got Brett Favre. It's not like they drafted Absolutely. him, though. You know, right? The, the the coming of the introduction to the world of Brett Favre was actually against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, fantastic, love it. So yeah, maybe we'll see what happens. Red Kingdom, unite. Let's talk a little bit about Los Angeles, City of Champions. Huckleberry, over the course of the last uh, eight months, you know, we, we we had the NBA season get all cut off, and, and then they went into a bubble, and then, you know, the Lakers won the championship, just like they would have without the bubble. Uh, and, and then we turn around, we see the Dodgers actually break through, win their first championship in, what, like 32 years, something like that? How about Los Angeles, man? It's the new happening place when it comes to the sports world. You know, much like much like Los Angeles when you know I first saw the, the big lights and the attraction as a kid and all of that, uh, these seasons kind of measure up that same way. After it's all said and done and I look at it now, just tremendous disappointment all around. And I thought yeah. under all the circumstances, I was really rooting for you know all of these seasons, to, to especially during the summer with basketball and, and baseball. I was really hoping that they would excite the fans, you know, give us a great escape. Uh, you know, and, it, and now what we've seen here, they did absolutely nothing for me. And as we're seeing in the numbers, a lot of individuals feel the same way as I do. Hell, going into these things, Michael Jugger, you even kind of dismissed that these these aren't real championships. No, these aren't real not. seasons. So we're going to go ahead and chalk this up. 
I think the bigger story here is even the mention that the, the great leader of the liberals, the, the outspoken one that the King LeBron would suggest that there should be a parade. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, the, the hypocrisy of LeBron James might be a, a, a topic that we address on another upcoming episode. Uh, but, you know, also in Los Angeles, City of Champions and the Clippers. How about that? I mean, to me, like that was the biggest story coming out of the NBA was just the absolute falling apart of the Los Angeles Clippers inside the bubble. I didn't see that one coming. Well, I mean, you, you had that drama was building up. You, you had all that tension brewing before we even get there. Of all the teams, they were the most outspoken, right, of not, not wanting to participate in this yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. Not going forward. I mean, it, it was almost everything. They had the perfect storm that just set them up for failure, and that's ultimately what we've seen here. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers were just such a disappointment. The fact that we didn't get Lakers Clippers, just a, a real disappointment in my eyes. I actually think, you know, it, when you're looking, I don't think it would have moved the needle inside of the season for those numbers. So if you're the NBA, you're looking at this from that marketing aspect. It's almost a blessing in disguise. Now you can kind of retool. You've got a real traditional season, hopefully coming up here. You can start building towards that, starting to reestablish that, that viewership base that you've got there. I don't think they essentially lost a lot of fans. I just, and it's just, I'm sure it makes sense to you in this way, but not they didn't lose a lot of fans, but they lost that viewers. That's what they need to rebuild. You know, I'm curious how this is going to work, man, because they're saying that they want to start the NBA season the way it sounds to me on December 22nd. Right around the corner here. I mean, it's we should be in. Would we be? Would we be in preseason right now? Starting here? In yeah, November? no. The like, regular season would be underway by now. We'd be we'd be tipped for this thing. But uh, so it's, but by December twenty second, do you see anything being different than it is uh, right now? It, I think that's going to be very telling. Is not to go too much back into the political aspect here. Is what influence as we wait for these results on this election and people trying to push. There are certain agendas here. Or are we going to see pushes for these shutdowns and these scare tactics from all sorts of its media, if it's politics, if it's business, that, that's all going to get involved here. I, I like to hope so. I think that we are moving better. I know that there has been a spike you know, here where I'm at Southern Ohio. We've moved back into our highest danger zone and there has been that fear of that shutdown here again. I think they were just waiting to get through this election cycle you know, the in-person voting, and they might make a move in the next week or so on this thing. I know we're already taking precautions with the businesses I work down here and started planning for that if we have to go back into semi-shutdown mode to restart pushing our carry-out options or or whatever that case might be. I'm still thinking about mahi-mahi tacos. God, it sounds good. Bonus RBV and I'm hungry. Rick, what's your favorite tailgate food? Like actual tailgate food, because we don't even get tailgating anymore, man. That's one of the things I really miss the most about sports, like going to live sports. I love tailgate food. Well, you see tailgating, you have the very essence of tailgating. It's not about specific food. It is about an experience. So one of my favorite things when I was involved in tailgating, and believe me, you know the passion for the foodie inside me, the foodaholic is when I'm involved with something there, you want to bring that to life. And it's all about you. You can't just say, what's your favorite food while you're there? No, it's about who's the opponent. What's the situation? What does it all involve here? You bring that together, and then you set it off with with tremendous flavors. And nothing really takes that party to the next level. That experience to that next level 
like delicious food. So I, for an example, just g- give me a game, two teams. Just a random game? Yeah. All right, let's go with the Denver Broncos playing in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. Right, so we're, we're hosting that there in, in Jacksonville. We got the AEW crew there with us. Uh, but, yeah, you, you, want, you want to do things that are mile high. So you want things that are going to be stacked up, man. So you, you want to be make sure that if you're coming out with even anything off the grill, you want that mile thing high stacked with them steaks. And you're over-pitching that there. You find out the local cuisine there in Denver. Uh, the Rocky Mountain oysters, if you want to have those as a part of it. There you go. So you got all your flavors there, man. Uh, it's, if you want to get really adventurous, then serve horse. <laughs> Is that legal? Well, well, I, I, that's what I'm questioning. I, I don't just bring Taco Bell, I guess. It know. is Florida, so it's, it's probably yeah, legal yeah. in Florida. Like, one of my favorites, you know, is when you know when Dallas would come to town for the Bengals. We always had a rattlesnake on the grill. Fantastic! You, you had a big old you had a big old pot of Texas chili, and you had a rattlesnake on the grill. Fantastic! I like it. I like it. All right, let's see if we can. Uh, you know where Ty is? Ty. Hey, Darren, Ty, Ty, come here for a second. Do that thing that you used to do. You know, there is a guy in AEW who looks just like you. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, Jargo's top 10 of the week. You ready for this, Huckleberry? My top 10 random thoughts from the past week, now available on the Hitting the Marks podcast. Also, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you, you kind of see what I'm doing here. Starting off with number 10, Last Friday, the 46th anniversary of the best boxing bout ever. October 30th, 1974, the birth of the Rope-A-Dope, the Rumble in the Jungle, Ali versus Foreman. If you've never seen When We Were Kings, it's an actual documentary about that fight. Highly recommend that you look that up. One of the best sports documentaries ever. Number nine, RIP Sir Sean Connery. Probably remembered the best as James Bond. I will always remember him as the Scottish guy who played the Irish guy opposite of the Irish guy playing a Scottish guy in Highlander. Number eight, Huckleberry, I'm sure you will agree with me on this one. Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, might be the greatest cartoon ever made. I'll say one of the, it's certainly one of the underrated gems of its time. Fantastic. I love Harvey Birdman. I contend that for a nation to try to tax itself into prosperity is like a man standing in a bucket trying to lift himself up by the handle. The words of Winston Churchill. Thought that rather applicable for today. Rick, this this is the one that just absolutely baffles me. Bill Belichick, the Patriots, and you talk about their dynasty. Bill Belichick, 51 and 66 in his coaching career without Tom Brady as his starting quarterback. Does that stat surprise you? Well, actually, you want to look in that favor of his coaching career. Well, there weren't our gems, you know. He had them Cleveland years and that in there as well. Uh, But let's also give credit to the individual that found Tom Brady and elevated Tom Brady to the, the glory that he has been able to achieve. Giselle? It's unfortunate that I've heard nobody bring up campaign finance reform during this election cycle when it's glaringly obvious that we need it. 
an estimated $325 million spent in Iowa alone on this election cycle. Number four, the meltdown from Cowboys fans on a yearly basis I find hilarious. Maybe just realize that your team is not and has not been good for an entire generation of people. What I really think about, and I was really looking at because I was looking through some of the stats today for the NFL, and you go back over maybe the last decade, 15 years, and I look in, and I regularly, as I get on my my pedestal, my high horse about how the, the draft should be eliminated because of teams like the Bengals and the Browns and the Raiders, I could make an argument for the worst-run franchise, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Poor Dak Prescott. Bet on himself and lost. NBA salary cap set to drop about $12 million next year because of issues in China in the COVID bubble. Had you been listening to HTM Sports about a year ago, this would not be a surprise. Number two, propaganda designed to change your way of thinking is not journalism. And my number one random thought of the week, damn, it's good to be doing this show again. You betcha. This was a lot of fun, Huckleberry. What do you think? You like being back? First time out, as you said, this is this is a puzzle. We're putting it together. We want to hear some feedback. We are happy to be back together. We, we hope that the rapport was there as it continues to be there as we kind of get back in our groove. But the show's going to continue to grow. We, we got the entire new format. I think that's going to be a lot of, might be a surprise to people when they hit play that you didn't hear that, that PW word very, very often here. And maybe just in a couple references. Hey, we're looking forward to bringing you more content, but to talk about all the content that you need, it's with the HMG, the Hameen Media Group. Uh, you can go to the main feed there, hackerhameen.pobbean.com, where you can pick up your, your daily wrestling, your conspiracy. Then we've also got the Hameen Media Group with all of our affiliate, our special projects. We can, of course, find us here with the, the hitting the marks you can find. Suck my balls, South Park contest. We, we've got Star Wars. We've got Star Trek. Star Trek. We've got horror movies. We've got the right opinion. We've got it all across the board for you at the HMG. But of course, you just want to keep up with me, the RBV. You can hit me up on social media at the real RBV. Follow up with all the delicious of the day. We're gonna have some some sound bits, sound bits coming from this show. We got some other projects on the way. We're just getting rolling. Special thanks to Mr. Ryan K. Bowman over at Sportskedia for the two-minute drill. Make sure that you head over there. Check out his column. Follow us on social media at HTM Still PWPod. No, not the still. Just at HTM PWPod. Might have to change that. Uh, find me at Not Jargo. Follow my show, Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast online at DestinoPod.com. That's it, Huckleberry. Questions or thoughts for the show, shoot them over. Hitting the marks at gmail.com. We'll talk to you back here next week. Yeah, we're, we're going to have an election. See how that goes. A whole new episode. But I guess for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya. Taco time. Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up.